Under the leadership of that haughty woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Where else comes to be pretty like me? I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that none of us have ever flown over a fence into a nudist camp. That is correct, right? What are you up to? Oh, all will be revealed shortly, Daniel. Don't Don't worry about that. (laughs) Today's title is Happy for Jackie, Happy Chandler and Jackie Robinson. I am your host, Brent Taylor. To my left is the fill-in who keeps chilling, Daniel Hurt. You're way too excited for this. <laughs> That's what people keep telling me. Flagship broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Our main event is the Jackie Robinson story through the eyes of the man who made it happen. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. You can't hide back clumsy ankles when tempted to overindulge. Reach for a lucky instead. Be moderate. Be moderate in all things, even in smoking. Avoid that future shadow by avoiding overindulgence if you would maintain that modern, ever-youthful figure. Reach for a Lucky instead. Lucky Strike, the finest cigarette you ever smoked. Made of the finest tobacco, the cream of the crop. It toasted. Lucky Strike is an extra secret heating process. Everyone knows that heat purifies And so 20,679 physicians say that Lucky's are less irritating to your throat. Lucky Strike, it's toasted. No special dietary, but moderation in eating and drinking, and not more than three meals daily. Dr. F. McKelvey Bell's advice in the New York Medical Journal to all men and women who want to keep a proper figure. We do not represent the smoking Lucky Strike cigarettes will bring modern figures or cause a reduction of flesh. We do declare that when tempted to do so, if you will reach for Lucky, instead you will thus avoid overindulgence in the things that cause excess weight, and by avoiding overindulgence, maintain a modern graceful form. I'll have you know, Daniel, that last part took several takes. Really? Yeah, to read all of that that quickly. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they just speed it up, don't they? Like, they, you can read it, and then they'll just fast forward it. That's something you might I do. could have sped it. I didn't actually have to read it. No. <laughs> that's true. That's I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that. But at least you had fun running through that real quick, didn't you? <laughs> that voice you did, it's just... Get a lucky strike. What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like? I like how random that number of physicians is. Yeah, no, the you know that two two thousand twenty thousand six hundred and seven seventy eighth person seventy ninth per. What about the eightieth person? They said no, so it's like we can't put them in there. <laughs> right, man. That's specific because that's the number of people that they ask. They're just not going to ask any more than that. There is a lot to unpack in this one, by the way. So the one thing is, hey, you're going to control your weight by smoking. I do know some people who say that works. I have heard that, too. I think that is a reason why some people still smoke cigarettes is because of that. I mean, Like the nicotine? Does that act as a, a I, suppression? I heard that suppression? it just makes you feel fuller, like you don't want to eat more or something. This is not an advertisement to do this. Please do not start smoking. <laughs> but... But hey, I, I but I do reach for a true. lucky when you're tempted to overindulge. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. But but uh but you know, well, I like that in the end there's this whole long thing. It's like we're not really responsible for anything that you do. So, have at it, have fun. And I don't know if you caught it cuz it was so quick. But mm. it says in there that they're not actually saying 
that you're going to have a reduction of flesh if you're smoking. Which is a really weird way of saying that. It, yeah, and it just completely counters their whole claim. You're going to lose weight, top. except you're not going to lose weight. But, but smoke <laughs> right? anyway. Right. Well, you know, it's the – even if you said it's not, you're not really going to lose weight, I think that saying a reduction of flesh is like – it's like Silence of the Lam- Hannibal Lecter. I'm going to have a friend for dinner. He doesn't mean that in the way you think he does. You know? <laughs> right. but, yeah, reduction of flesh, that is bizarre for sure. And now for the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. So you were telling me you weren't all that familiar with the behind the scenes stuff with the Jackie Robinson story. Is that right? I was not. I only know uh, Happy Chandler as a governor and a senator. I mean, I know he's baseball commissioner, but I don't really know anything about that. But I always hear the rumblings of there's a story there, but I just never knew it. So what do we got? Yeah, that's a bizarre uh, resume, right? Yeah. So multiple-time governor, senator, but also major league baseball commissioner. Yeah, he he was governor and and had been appointed to fill some Senate vacancies multiple times, actually. I think he went to the Senate two or three times to fill like two or three-year terms. But but yeah – Making the jump from that to baseball commissioner is pretty interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure Senate is higher in rank than that. <laughs> but I guess that's such a perspective. Some people don't care about politics at all, but they would care about who the baseball commissioner was. So. Yeah, it's a big job. I actually a, don't know what goes into that either. So It's kind of like the CEO of baseball, really. So I've never know. thought about that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really big deal. There's really haven't been very many of those kind of people. Hmm. So, backstory, right? We, I think most people are familiar with Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. So he's breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. And so, Happy Chandler was commissioner when that happened. So that's going to be our connection on all that. And what we got here is, Happy Chandler went to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame as a commissioner. You don't have to be a player. You could be an executive or a coach or whatever. And that's kind of where where that picks up. This is his Hall of Fame induction speech. Okay. So you're saying, okay, I'm worthy of being in here, so this is one of the reasons why I'm in there. And So he's going to explain this a little bit and tell everybody what really happened there behind the scenes. According, and I guess disclaimer, according to Happy Chandler, because some people really don't like Happy Chandler. Yeah, he's kind of a controversial figure in politics as yeah. as much as anybody, certainly. Yeah, 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 for sure. So we'll just, we'll just have that disclaimer up at the very beginning. This is <laughs> the way he said that it went. All right. And he's going to start you off here with a little old-fashioned politicking. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen... I feel a bit like the mosquito that flew over the fence into the nudist camp. I hardly know where to start. Yeah, that's the, that's the, just like a, you know, uh, there's a political Christmas card that I think he used to send out that was two dogs on it, and it was a dog playing piano or something, and it says, don't tell my mom I'm in politics, tell her I'm playing piano in a brothel instead. (laughs) So it's the (laughs) one-liners. I made some modest contributions, as the record will show, to Major League Baseball. I'd like to tell you briefly the Jackie Robinson story, 
because I know it better than anyone else, living or dead. For 24 years, my predecessor would not let the black man play. Now that's the record. If you were black, you were automatically disqualified. He went further than that. He wouldn't let them barnstorm together after the season was over. So exhibition game kind of mm. stuff. And I'm not going to be too harsh with him because he was doing what the owners wanted him to do. And that was keep the game white and segregated. In January of 1947, the owners had a meeting at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York, and I presided over the meeting. So this is the kind of thing where That's all swanky, the, man. It, it, it's the best. It's the best swanky. hotel in New York. Yeah, right. I and mean, these are all big shots. They're they're owners of baseball teams, and they're all like you know, sort of pro segregationists. One would assume, and they probably think he is too because he's from Kentucky. You know. I tell you what, you raise a really good point there. Happy Chandler is super complex on racial issues. Yeah, super complex. You you could. Dive into that and never get to the bottom of it. That'd be an episode That's how complex on itself. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you've you've definitely hit upon something there that's big. They had anticipated that the Brooklyn team, this is the Brooklyn Dodgers, mm-hmm. might want to bring Jackie Robinson from Montreal to Brooklyn, so from the minor leagues to make a major league debut. They debated the Robinson issue. For an hour and a half or two hours. That's kind of disappointing. It is a long time. And just the fact that the thing is, hey, should we let this guy play baseball? Like, he's, we got an old Southern accent. Like, we got this minority wanting to play baseball. Should we let him do it? Let's twiddle our thumbs for an hour and a half rather than just go, does the guy have talent? Is he good? Does he play baseball? Yeah, let him play. It's just ridiculous. I know. It's that just, a barrier would be constructed like that anyway, but yeah, us is history. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where we are in 1947. So, yeah. And they took a vote. I announced the vote. I presided over the meeting and announced the vote. Fifteen no's and one yes. <laughs> so Brooklyn votes yes. All the other teams in attendance vote mm. no. It's like, no, no, we don't really want you to do this. Well, and, you know, it's the, I don't know, it's awful to say, but you hear in that classic, you know, segregationist, well, if you let one in, then, you know, it's going to be a domino effect, and we'll just have to let mother minority, women maybe, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, immediately after that meeting, I had gone to the French hospital to see my friend Babe Ruth. I knew him quite well, and he had been neglected, unfortunately. We got him up, uh, though, and got him a job and gave him another chance and gave him a special day. The day we gave him a, a special day, it happened that I had suspended a fellow that I thought ought to be suspended. He wrote a book. It wasn't required reading, so I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> and it there, there's that humor again. And it wasn't a bestseller. But 73,000 people, I think this must be a record, booed me in the Yankee Stadium because of that decision. Well, I stood my ground, and I looked them straight in the eye, and then 50,000 cheered me. And I never had too much trouble after that. Mr. Ricky, that's Branch Ricky. He's kind of like a baseball executive legend. Mm -hmm. Mr. Ricky called me 
and said to me, I must come to Kentucky and talk with you at once. So this is going to be kind of interesting from a Kentucky history standpoint, because we're going to have a special meeting about this here in Kentucky. So I said, all right, Mr. Ricky, you come along. I got a cabin on the backside of my place where I've made most of my important decisions in this life. It's 50 years old. Hmm. I used to invite my friends, Ty Cobb and all the others. They used to come. I told Bear Bryant once that the beds were comfortable and the food is fair and the rates were right. And he said, Skipper, on those terms, I'm going to give you a generous share of my business. Mr. Ricky came down to the cabin, and we talked for about two hours about Jackie Robinson. Another two-hour meeting. Man, he's really popular. (laughs) And he said, Commissioner, I can't do this unless I'm assured of your complete support. So the commissioner could go behind the backs of the owners. That's a risky decision, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that can get you fired or whatever else. How bad does he want to be baseball commissioner, right? (laughs) Yeah. But if it's the right decision, it's the right decision. That's kind of where he's going with this. So I think you're on to something. And I said, I know that, Mr. Ricky. This 15 to 1 vote was meant to be information for you and information for me. They do not want the black men to play. And I said, uh, I have said to Rick Roberts and John Holloway and others that I didn't think it was quite fair to have these fellas fight at Okinawa and Iwo Jima Mm -hmm. and Tarawa Mm -hmm. and the other places, and then to be told when they came back home that they couldn't play the great American game baseball, although they were very talented. So that's a good point. Well, it's sort of the tale as old as time when it comes to race or voting, even in the 60s. It's like, you know, in 1967, you couldn't vote unless you were 21 years old, but you could get drafted to go to Vietnam at 18. And so it's like if you're serving your country and doing your duty, living up to your standard, we talked in previous episode about some propaganda saying do your part. If they're doing their part, they deserve to reap the benefits of the American dream at home, right? So... That's more or less the theme, I would say. Right. And I've always come to the conclusion that World War II really helped speed along the civil rights movement Hmm. because it was all hands on deck. 1.2% unemployment. Yeah, that's right. Those factories weren't being too choosy. Everybody was contributing to the war effort, and they sort of – were forced to look beyond their own, you know, stereotypes or their own small bubbles that they lived in. You got it. And then you throw in the World War II soldier hero worship after the war. Oh, yeah, the ticker tape parades and everything. And a lot of these guys were right there fighting, too. And so it's going to be... It's like after the fact, after you fought in combat together, can you really look at somebody that you served with and be like, no, you're less of a person than me. You don't deserve the same thing that I deserve. That's a big part of it. So Chandler continues, I told him I thought that was wrong. The statement must, um, I think it's supposed to say not, be taken as self-serving because I'm not running for anything and I'm not running from anything either. So I said to Mr. Ricky, I'm going to have to meet my maker someday. I like this line out of it. I'm going to have to meet my maker someday. And if he asked me why I didn't let this boy play, and I said it was because he was black, 
that might not be a satisfactory answer. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the it sort of accepts the concept that while this is uh, a finite earth and we have our own plans here, there are larger issues at stake. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've always had fun imagining this one. Like, you're going up to the pearly gate. St. Peter's up there. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're going to go through the checklist. And it's like, well, you know, you did this pretty well, but this one wasn't so good. And then what about this whole Jackie Robinson Why thing? Why did he play? He's probably a pretty good baseball player. <laughs> he could have had so many home runs and so many had you just let him. Uh, yeah, so that's a – I always think that one's kind of fun. I said, you bring him in and I'll approve of his transfer from Montreal to Brooklyn. And I did, and I was the only one that could have done it. And That's I said, also some politician in there. Look at me. I am the only one who can do this. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> now, I guess technically that's probably right, though. As baseball commissioner, he had that he power. He would literally be the only person with that power. Yeah. Unless his successor were to do it or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Because those guys, they're, they're in charge of those leagues. So he, he has something. But, yeah, you're right. That's, <laughs> that's classic politician. Yeah. I did it. All, all me. And I think that's one thing that people kind of rag Chandler about as well. A little bit. Uh, well, it's like, so none of those people that work for you did anything. Okay. I was <laughs> right. wondering. That's fine. <laughs> and I said to Mr. Ricky, if Landis were commissioner, and that is, I don't know if you ever heard of this guy or not, hmm. Kennesaw Mountain Landis. I've heard the name, but I don't know it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he was baseball commissioner. A, you don't forget time. a name like Mountain. So. Right. I'm guessing he was a bigger guy, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, if Landis were commissioner, you wouldn't go to see him because he wouldn't let you. And he said all had been said about the thing, had already been said, mm-hmm. and he had nothing else to say about it. And you wouldn't even have asked him because it wouldn't have made any difference. And I said, you bring him in. And we monitored every game he played. They said, how are we going to treat this fella? Just as another ball player. No better and no worse. Don't give him anything, but don't take anything away from him. I don't understand why they're worried about the demeanor of another human being. How do we handle this other person? Well, just like all the other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's a fair point here, too. When you're breaking those barriers like that, there, there's going to be a lot of maybe shenanigans, or you're going to have a lot of yeah. There's going to be some uh, some uh, malfeasance, perhaps. I mean, who backlash, knows? Backlash, maybe. Yeah, the uh, backlash, and that's a, that was a real thing that happened with a lot of these athletes. They, if you're going to be the first to do this, there's there's going to be a lot of haters, mm. and th- that's probably where some of that was coming from. And we made the switch. And there are those people. I wasn't taking any credit for it. I was doing what justice and mercy required me to do under the circumstances. And if I had to do it over again, I'd do the same thing. Wow. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So, you know, while he does have, as we say, sort of a a little bit of a complicated history when it comes to 
race relations. You know, it's sort of one of those things in the end, he did the right thing, right? So Right, and that's not the only instance like that, which is why we said he's, he's so nuanced and so hard to wrap your mind around in that regard. Because he was also the one when the Brown decision came out, he said, well, okay, that's the new law of the land. Yeah, We're going to desegregate. And if you don't like it, we're going to bring in the tanks, literally bring in the tanks. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that he's, you know, him and Ned Breathitt are, while Ned Breathitt is more of a deliberate civil rights leader, he's just sort of, Happy Chandler's sort of in the right place at the right time. and An accidental civil rights leader? I think that that's true. I think just like Otto von Bismarck could be given credit for being an accidental creator of the first social program. So, I mean... You know, I, and and as a conservative, he wouldn't have been for him necessarily. But you know, I think that's true, and I think that you know, when it's the law, the governor has a responsibility to balance, sort of, as any political person does, the job requirements of the office as well as your own ideological views. Sometimes you just got to enforce the law; you don't have a choice, right? And so, by him doing so, uh, and choosing to do it, even if he knows it might be an unpopular decision. Uh, you know, I think that's something that's got a um, uh, gonna have a positive impact on him, at least in this case. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. Let's pay a few bills. This part of the program is uh, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Can your scalp pass the FN test? Probably not. You think that's a pun, by the way? Can it pass the FN test? Oh. I don't know. I don't know if uh, if that abbreviation was around back then or not, but it... <laughs> Pro- probably not. That seems like a modern invention. But... <laughs> yeah, it probably is. <laughs> it's FN, the test for men, the fingernail test. Scratch your head and see if you find dryness or loose, ugly dandruff. If so, you need Wild Root Cream Oil Formula. Relieves dryness, removes loose dandruff by the large size. Your hair can look like this with new Wild Root Cream Oil. And you got a guy there who's well-kempt. He looks the same. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny, right? (laughs) He just has a uh, perturbed look on his face in the first picture. Yeah, like they literally took that picture and was like, all right, put that jacket on. Yeah, yeah. Non-alcoholic. Contains refined lanolin. Which I think is sheep's wool. That's weird. (laughs) I think it is. Okay. I don't even know what lanolin is. I just just like the FN test. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I will tell you that, like, I don't think that this cream oil is going to fix. Maybe some shampoo with some conditioner in it or or maybe a dandruff shampoo. I'm not going to be like... Get me a bottle of chemicals. That sounds good. Although that's kind of what shampoo is. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just a bottle. Why not? Go for it. Yeah, Land I guess this is a sure. moisturizer, maybe. That's what I, they're they're trying? I don't know, man. No. Still no. I don't want something called wild root cream oil. If you want me to buy it, call it shampoo. <laughs> right. And by the way, did you notice this man's in uniform? Oh, yeah, he's a vet. Look at him. Yeah, yeah, so this is the World War II era, and if you look very closely at the bottom, it says, buy Buy more war bonds. Yeah. Yeah. Support the war effort. Buy some lanolin, (laughs) wild root cream oil. Yeah. 
man, they kind of like pitched the war effort like like a sales pitch. It's like buy Coca Cola, World War Two. Let's go. Oh, big business was all in on World War Two. Yeah. No question about it at all. Something fascinating. Um, Pepsi, I understand, had a yellow logo before World War II, and they changed it to red, white, and blue for the war effort, which makes Coca-Cola's decision to stay red after World War II <laughs> during the Cold War, I don't know, suspicious, perhaps? <laughs> I always knew something was wrong with those guys. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we have now turned to the final page of this chapter. But it's all right. Old Kentucky Tales never fails to return. You can download more episodes, binge listen, as they say, on the NPR One app and some other places. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. We are told that helps. Special thanks to WKMS, our producer Todd Birdsong, the Paducah School of Art and Design, Daniel Hurt, Mm -hmm. West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history.